We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey Pacer fans, Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at theblueandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on The Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on theblueandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. 
setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi, Alex and Alex. If I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? We can go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Buddy here. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Patriot Nation, what is going on? It's your boy Mike Fashi here, holding it down today. No Alex Golden here, but we do have the one and only Keith Smith from Spot Track. Keith, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Keith, I always feel like you're, you know, you're good for like two set in the pace appearances, you know, per year. So, you know, always appreciate having you back on. It's always fun. But every time I feel like you come back on, it always feels like the NBA is right around the corner. And <laughs> this time of the year, the NBA never disappoints. It has you just itching to say, when's the regular season going to start? So I thought we'd start with the Indiana Pacers. What have been your thoughts I'm watching them be a young team last year, no expectations really, to now being like this up-and-coming, improved team led by Tyrese Halbert. Yeah, I thought last season was really interesting. I I, I admittedly, when I saw the first uh, few regular season games, I, I don't put a lot of stock in a preseason, just, you know, especially now. Uh, very rarely do you see, you know, real lineups and guys are always in and out and all those kind of things. You might, you might get a half of like real rotations if you're lucky but when they played their first handful of regular season games then it was like they're really going super duper small around miles turner i had Mm -hmm. my doubts i was a little like "Eh, i'm not so sure that i really like this but i came to love it you know they they became you know kind of one of those league pass darlings where it was like you're flipping around the channel it's like all right i can settle in for some pacers for you know the next hour or so because they were just a really fun team to watch you know they got up and down the floor very quickly uh Halliburton kind of the the engine driving everything and all the shooting and the space that they had i thought their young guys were really fun to watch as they you know really developed uh quite quickly into you know i, I thought very good players and and i think they you know followed that up with a really solid offseason and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I mean, you know, running up and down the court, playing fast, it is what, um, you know, the average sports viewer is going to want to watch. Because obviously, look, even baseball, they're trying to speed up the game. It's That's where we're at um, from an, an attention standpoint. But you mentioned about League Pass. Zach Lowe, he just came out with his annual NBA League Pass rankings. And a few years ago, the Pacers were 29th or 30th. I can't remember which one, but it was nearly last, if not last. And the the league pass rankings are typically on, you know, graded out of most entertaining to watch. This year, he had the Pacers 12th. That was as high as I could ever remember him ranking the Pacers. I mean, he talked a little bit about what the NBA fan could look forward to in the Pacers. But from your point of view, I mean, this team, yeah, you're not going to expect an NBA Finals or anything this year. But you are going to expect a fun team. And that's why I like when you mentioned League Pass Darlings. Because let let the NBA viewer know what they have been missing out. Because on a national television standpoint, you're only going to find them on TV once a year. Yeah, I, I think with the Pacers, you know, there's a couple things. One, right? 
if they are not so good that they're going to be killing teams on a night-to-night basis, and they're far from being bad enough that they're getting killed on night-to-night basis, so you're probably going to see a lot of really competitive, good games. And quite often, you know, if a game's close, that that's enough to draw you in. But you're also going to see, I mean, this team is going to deliver a ton of highlights, especially when you got Halliburton running things, and now you got Obi Toppin, you know, fun. He has a law partner for him. You got, you know, Miles Turner. He always comes up with a block or two. That's a, you know, highlight play seemingly every night. Uh, but Benedict Matherin, that that guy has as much confidence as anybody oh in oh, the yeah. league. <laughs> when you throw him the ball, like he, he's, he's like, I, you know, like, clear out for me. I'll go, you know, head to head with prime Kawhi. Why Leonard and you know feel good about my chances on scoring and you know and, and you love that right when, when you're tuning in and watching and I'm sure night tonight there might be times when it's like all right come on man move the ball yeah um but when you you know uh, dropping in and out as someone like me does like I'm all for you know five ten minutes of that so yeah I, I just think it's a roster that's a lot of fun um again like we said they play a fast pace they play an entertaining style and, and they're going to be good and you know and now when you added Bruce Brown to the mix uh you add Obi Toppin you've got a year of growth for all these young guys a year of growth together you know as a team after you know we, we got that half a season ish um after the trade a couple years ago and then then you know last season was it, it started out great and then there was injuries and then quite frankly you know call it what it is positioning for ping pong balls yep. down the stretch a little bit there so it's now though it's a rush that makes a lot of sense and it, it seems like it fits together pretty well so i'm really excited to see you know I, I see how this group has another year of growth in front of them you know right right in front of our eyes as we're watching you know, before Tyrese Halliburton got hurt in January and did miss some time, this was a team that was top six in the East, and they did yep. have a winning overall record with Tyrese Halliburton in the lineup. A couple of the players you mentioned, I mean, Ben McMathern expected to take a solid leap forward, you know, from rookie to sophomore year. And then, obviously, you know, they did have a, a solid, you know, free agency, a solid offseason, whatever you want to call it, bringing in Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin. They drafted Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard. Uh, I, I think that they didn't necessarily, by any means, you know, push the chips all in by to any degree. But that treasure chest, it's far from being empty. They own all their own draft picks. They even actually have an extra first-round pick for next year. The books are squeaky clean. Do you feel that it was smart for them to take this one year at a time instead of really making that move where they throw in a lot of their draft picks, seeing what else is going on in the East between the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the Boston Celtics. I felt like they stayed at their own pace instead of trying to compete with teams that are, you know, have a small window to win a championship. I think if the Pacers had tried this summer to, you know, make the all-in move, and Bruce Brown was a big company, contract but that's they, they they could have gone bigger right they, they could have chased a bigger type player i mean they, there's in every sense of the word they could have got involved on a guy like bradley beal right just because they had the ability to do so i'm not saying they would have got him or beal would have uh waived his no trade clause to go there but they could have gotten involved on guys like that they they you know and realistically they could have got involved on you know damian lillard or somebody of that you know ilk if if they really wanted to but i think the pacers made the decision to say all right hey we're gonna give bruce brown a bunch of our cap space and mo for the most part we're gonna kind of just keep things moving with the guys we have we we like what we have obviously i mean i 
it, it's impossible to say today they stole Obi Toppin from the Knicks because we don't know. We'll, we'll find um, out. But, mm-hmm. but I feel like they did. You know, that I, I'm high on Obi Toppin. I think he's going to be really, really good for them. And I think, you know, he, he's just a perfect fit for a team that really last year played kind of without a four almost all season. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's a real four. And I, I think he's going to be a big time uh, fit there. And I think he's going to play really, really well for the Pacers. So now all of a sudden, I think what, for them is they're 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 slow playing it but not so slow playing it where it's like eh, we didn't add anybody but a draft pick or two um you know we we, we did go out we made a trade we made a signing and we're, we're bringing those guys into the fold and i think that's important because for the pacers they're being reasonable rather than all right let's try to run boston and milwaukee down at the top of the conference let's be a little bit smarter let's pursue top eight, top six, let's try to get into that realm. And then as things kind of coalesce with this group, then our all-in move will come whenever it comes. And they're as position, well-positioned as anybody to do something like, like that because, as you said, the books are very clean mm-hmm. and they have the draft pick capital and some of the young player capital if they need to throw into a trade to make it happen too, which is a really exciting place to be in. I completely agree. I mean, because you look at the, the teams that are looking to make that big splash, some of them some of them just have expiring contracts to offer. I mean, some teams don't have any picks at all. You look at a team like Phoenix, they're obviously all in. They don't have <laughs> any draft picks to really be able to move. I mean, it's tough for them. And then there's other teams that are positioning themselves in the waiting, maybe like an OKC that has more draft picks than anyone could handle, waiting for the right move. I think the Pacers are going at, at, at the right pace, but when that player becomes available they will be ready but speaking of some of the teams that i mentioned before that were ready the milwaukee bucks they pushed their chips in for damian lillard then we saw immediately in my opinion i felt like it became an arms race i felt like the boston celtics knew they had to upgrade they go and they acquired drew holiday do you feel that bucks move really put the pressure on boston to make a move asap i think so i i think it had Hey, and I say this fully realizing the box would not have Damian Lillard had they not traded Drew Holiday. But let's say there was a world where Drew Holiday wasn't available. I think the Celtics would have looked at it and said, okay, for now, we're good with what we've got. We're going to move forward with this and we'll try to take you on. But the minute it was Drew Holiday was available, then from the Celtics side, it was like, hey, we can, you know, Get a guy who can really help us now defend this uh, monster offense that the Bucks are going to become. And we also, on top of that, we can almost kind of hurt them because it's like the guy you gave up shipped off to Portland where you would only seen him twice a year. Uh, now, guess what? You're going to see him. I think they play four times this year, uh, but you're going to see him, you know, a bunch of times in the regular season. And if we meet in the playoffs, you're going to deal with him for two weeks. And on top of that, he's a great fit with what we need. So yeah, Boston, you know, did everything they needed to do to answer to kind of, you know, it's funny. I felt like the Celtics spent, you know, all summer long kind of in pole position in the East where it's like, all right, they've, Got the best roster. They're probably gonna you know be the team that emerges on top, provided everybody stays healthy and you know everybody fits okay. Then Milwaukee swung the Dame trade, and for what four or five days, it was like, all right, maybe they're gonna be the team. And then the Boston Celtics were like, actually, we have this other trade we can make. Let's let's do it. Let's get it done. And you know we get that done. Now the Celtics have to figure out their depth. It's a little shaky. You know, behind their top guys, but you know, I think you know when you get to the playoffs, that top six, you got to feel as good 
their top six as you do any in the league because it, it's deep, it's versatile. They can, can play defense, they can play offense, they can shoot, they can get downhill, they can do a lot of different things, which makes that a really uh, you know uh, playoff ready grouping. No, it is very exciting. And I think that there was a lot of, uh, you know, the average fan was saying, what are the Celtics going to do without Marcus Smart? And I, th- I think that it was very, you know, important for them to be able to get a player of Drew Holiday's caliber uh, to be able to help uh, defensively. And then obviously, look, if Porzingis stays healthy, the Celtics have a really good team. And that's always the question with Porzingis. Uh, when he mm-hmm. plays, he's great. And, you know, how many games he's going to play, that's a whole other question. But those two teams. Well, I will also say, too, sorry, I just want to add, Here's a real question of Kristaps Porzingis has never been anything less than the number two option yeah. on his team. Drew Holiday's never really been anything less than the two, maybe the two A option, mm-hmm. uh, depending you know where Chris Middleton was at at various times during their Bucks uh, run together. So when you look at it, yeah, you know, now those guys are very clearly number three and four. I'm yep. um, on the team that. We're going to see, right? And, and that's going to be, I think, the, one of the bigger challenges for Joe Missoula. I mean, he's talked about it openly, especially over the last uh, handful of days here as the preseason's winding down. He's got six starters. And like you said, you know, unless they change a the rule, you can only start five of them. And that means someone is going to have to really, you know, say, all right, I'll come off the bench, you know, and it is what it is. And, you know, it's probably not what they really want to do, but they're, they're going to do it for the best of the team. We hope. Right. And it's, it's, I always say it's really easy in the beginning part of the year to say, I'm going to do this because it's what's best for the team. Then you hit one of those three game losing streaks. And all of a sudden it's like, man, if I was starting, I think, you know, we might be a little better. And that's going to be where Missoula is going to have to work through that um, a little bit. But, you know, that that's as much as the injury stuff. That's the other questions that are open is, is the fit going to work? Because you've got, you know, just some guys who they've kind of been the man or, you know, the second guy. And now you're, you're slotting them down, but hopefully everybody's at the point in their career where it's like, you know what I really would like, I'd like a ring. So, yeah, I can. I, if I average a few less points, so be it. It is what it is. Winning does cure a lot, and I think yeah. that for the Boston Celtics, <laughs> there there's more of a common goal there. Of like, that's one of the teams that they could look at the season and say, if we don't win an NBA Finals, this was not a successful season. And very yeah. few teams can say that. Uh, there's only a handful of going into the season can very much say that because you look at a team like the Pacers. Look, they make the playoffs. That was a successful season. Mm-hmm. So. Boston, Milwaukee, they have other plans. But you talked about some of those pieces you need to fit in there. Look, we saw Peyton Pritchard get a contract extension. We hear Derek White could get a contract extension. One of the players that was moved was Malcolm Brogdon, just one year in Boston, going from the Pacers in that trade, you know, which got the Pacers Aaron Neesmith, uh, Daniel Tice, and a first-round pick. Malcolm Brogdon wins sixth man of the year. But Obviously, he he struggled with injuries before, was hurt kind of when it mattered most. And kind of at one point, the Celtics nearly deal him to the Clippers. After that, it felt like it was a matter of time before Brogdon was going to be dealt elsewhere. Was there really any scenario where you felt that Malcolm Brogdon was going to be in a Celtics uniform this year after the near trade to the Clippers? I, I thought there was maybe a chance when you know, it looked like, all right, they're 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 not going to be in on Damian Lillard. That was very clear. And then it really kind of looked like, all right, I, we, we, we may be in a spot where, you know, this is just how this goes and he's going to be, uh, you know, in Boston and hopefully he can get over it and figure it out and they can all move forward and, you know, chase a championship. But I always thought they're going to be doing what they can to try and 
find a trade. It's funny because people go to the trade falling apart as the reason, you know, Boston had to move Malcolm Brogdon. And obviously that was a big part of it, but there were two other things that happened late last season. Malcolm Brogdon was asked about coming off the bench and he made it very clear. I'm doing this because I think we have a chance at winning a title, but this is not what I want to do. I've always been a starter. I want to start. I don't really want to come off the bench. And this was in the middle of a year where at that point it was like, he's probably going to win six man of the year, which yep. ultimately he did. So that was, a, I think, one, I'll say a kind of very faint red warning light of like, huh, that's interesting. Like clearly he's not real happy. I think the other thing that happened is I think the Celtics looked at it with both Malcolm Brogdon in the initial trade construction, then ultimately the trade and with Marcus Smart, because I think there's a, so if we rewind, the Brogdon portion of the trade for Chris Apps Porzingis fell apart in the middle of the day. And then the Marcus Smart stuff happened mere hours later. That says to me, there are already talks about Marcus Smart. You mm -hmm. don't immediately pivot that quickly. It was way too um, quick. Yeah, they, there had to have been something else already in the works. And I wonder, was there something else already in the works of like, hey, we're going to reset things a little and we're going to you know, still move smart to the Grizzlies and we'll get something else other than Chris Stapps, Porzingis, because we're going to get him in this other trade. So that says to me there was something there. I think what the Celtics did with both Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart was it's almost kind of, you know, they, they took one out of the playbook of the guy, you know, a, a little south of the city, Bill Belichick. And he has very often said is one of his roster building philosophies is he'd rather be a year too early than a year too late. And I think Marcus Smart very clearly slipped last season. He did. He, he wasn't as good as a defender as he was when he won defensive player of the year. And I was, hey, I was championing it two years ago and didn't thought he was a very well-deserved win. He slipped there. Malcolm Brogdon, I think the Celtics looked at it all the way up until he got hurt in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they were a little like, man, we got lucky. We got a healthy season out of this guy. Mm -hmm. And it's the Good first point. one he's had since his rookie year. Yes. So I think they were like, we're probably getting another healthy season out of him. It's probably not likely smart slipping. And I think that as much as the opportunity, obviously, to acquire Chris Porzingis and acquire Drew Holiday, we're driving factors in, hey, let's move on here because a year from now, these guys may not have the same kind of trade value. Let's get out a year ahead of this. Get a couple guys in here who we think, yeah, they remake us. And then the last factor, obviously, was for the Celtics. They couldn't keep banging their head against the door in the Eastern Conference without, and I know they made it to the finals two seasons ago, but you're kind of at a point where it's like, all right, are we going to keep every year getting this far without actually taking the final step with the same group? Because then it becomes, you can change kind of the ancillary pieces around it, but unless you make a major change, like, everyone was starting to get a little frustrated. You could tell from players to fans to front office to ownership to everybody. And I think it was time to say, all right, hey, let's take a big swing. And they obviously did that. Oh, they really did. And it does help to have guys like Peyton Pritchard and Derek White still on the roster yes. where if you're moving off two guards, you still have two guards that can, you know, pop right in there and, and you're not really skipping a beat. And for Brogdon, now he's with Portland. No one expects him to stay there. So it, it's just a matter of time until he's moved, uh, does not really fit what they're doing over in Portland. But 
Hey, I think you made a great point. If you did get a healthy season out of Brogdon, for the most part, it's unfortunate he got hurt in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. typically he was someone you could really only pencil in for maybe 60 games a year. And yeah, that's, that was probably in the high end. Ex- yep. That's just not enough. So yeah. when we look at this, follow- I'll, I'll say one other thing too, because I'm just because I'm glad you brought up Derek White, because it continually made me and a lot of people within the Celtics sphere kind of laugh um, when everybody was like, how are they going to defend any guards? Cause they don't have Marcus smart anymore. It's like uh, Derek white was the all defense guy yeah, last year. Exactly. It was awesome. Like now, now, you know, it, we're already seeing signs of it in these preseason games when Joe Missoula kind of unleashes white and holiday together. And it's like, Hey, just go kind of, you know, make life hell on the opposing ball handlers. They get after those guys. And then it's just like, well, what, I don't even know what to do here. Right. And that that's good. You can't do that all the time, especially not at holiday's age. But that's something you can break out when you need it. And I think, you know, you do that with Porzingis, Horford, kind of on the back line to clean things up. Jason Tatum obviously handles his business quite well defensively. You're looking at like, man, they can put some defensive lineups out there that they're just going to make it very, very difficult to score on. It's true. I mean, yeah, you guys are in a good spot. And, you know, for the Pacers, I'm excited to see where we're going. But we talked about some of the teams that maybe sit at the top of the East. But, you know, after Milwaukee and Boston, whichever order that you might have them in, I mean, who are some of the teams that you feel that are a a lock to at least be in that, say, top six? I think Cleveland and New York are probably the next two that I feel most confident about. I I just think they're uh, well-constructed rosters. I think they have more than enough depth on both teams to get through the the normal regular season stuff. Yeah, obviously, if you if you have the year from you know out of nowhere and everybody is injured, but nobody you can't really predict that except for maybe like the LA Clippers, just because we've seen yeah. it every single year with them. But you know, everybody else, if you just assume normal health, I think Cleveland and New York are locks to be in that top six. I I just find it hard to believe they won't be there. I. I think Miami could be if they care enough to be. That's that's kind of the challenge with the Heat. If they treat the regular season the way they kind of treated it last year, and I know some of that was injury-related and the like, but some of it was also, and eh, we just don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then they, they I could see them in the play-in tournament again, and one of the teams behind them leaps them, and, and then Miami probably takes them out in the play-in tournament and then, uh, you know, makes life really hard on somebody in the playoffs. But, you know, I could definitely see them in that top six. And then, obviously, the wild card is Philly. It is. Because it's hard to pick a Joel Embiid-led team and say they're not going to be in the top six and, in you know, in a short playoff team. But just things just seem so off there right now that I'm just not sure. And if if you have, let's say, the Harden situation doesn't resolve in a positive way, it, may, it continues to be a mess. And then, let's say, Embiid has one of those years where he can only play 50 games. Philly's probably going to slip quite a bit. And there's teams that are poised, you know, Atlanta, Brooklyn. I'm not playing to the home crowd here, but Indiana, you know, Orlando, Chicago, maybe Toronto. I'm less high on Toronto than I think many others are. But those teams could all jump and really then put Philly in a spot where it's like, all right, now we're down in the play-in tournament. Because uh, I just they, they don't feel like the same team that they've been the last few seasons. It's just crazy because you just got – Three MVP-worthy years out of Joel Embiid, and it just feels like, could he give you four straight? I, I don't know. 
I mean, you mentioned his health. It's it's always something that you're kind of holding your breath about. And then obviously, if James Harden is moved, it, it just doesn't feel that you're going to get equal value coming in. It feels like you're going to take a hit somewhere. Maybe you're getting draft picks and a good player. Maybe you're getting expiring contracts and a pick, but you're not going to get a James Harden type player back. So, and especially when, when teams know, A, he's on expiring contract and B, He's not happy there, and and the team wants to move him at this point because he's making it tough on him. As we're recording this, he no-showed the practice today. So it's just interesting to not even have Philly as a lock in the top six. And, yeah, they could very well be there, but who knows. But who's maybe some of the teams that you think could kind of make a climb? Because let's just go through some of the names. Here's the teams that didn't make the play-in last year. You have Indiana, Detroit, Orlando. Washington and Charlotte is there a team in that group that you feel is either okay I feel strongly confident about maybe you know ninth or tenth seed or maybe even could be in a seven or eight spot Indiana or or, in Orlando are my teams in that group but I think Washington is going to be awful so I I just I just don't see it there and I I think that's okay I think that's kind of the way they were built it was to not be very good um I, I people keep saying, you know, Detroit and we got a lot of that buzz last year too. I just don't see it. I think they will be a better team if they have better health, but I don't know that that necessarily shows up in the standings so much. I, I think, you know, it might be one where they win a few more games, but are still down towards the bottom of the conference. I want to believe in Charlotte because, you know, well, a couple of years ago, they were a decent team and in the play in tournament last year, they just had a million injuries. But again, you just talk about, things that off something just feels off with the Hornets. It doesn't feel, you know, quite right. And, and I do worry, they have an awful lot of guys who need to play they and do. some guys who are looking for contracts and those kind of things. And, and it just feels like that could get super messy. So for, you know, we talked about the Pacers, I'm super high on their talent, the way their roster fits. And then I think Orlando, you know, a year growth for that young team and people, you know, really overlooked, they went something like five and 20 in their first 25 games and then played 500 ball or better the rest of the way uh, last season, which is really you know pretty good stuff. And I think they are a lot closer to that 500 team than they were the five and 20 team. I don't know that they're going to you know be much over 500, but I think they'll be in the mix to be a play in tournament team uh, this year. Their big thing is they have to shoot it better. They got to find, you know, two, three, four guys that aren't just Franz Wagner that are going to make shots on a regular basis. And if they do, they're going to be really tough because they're going to defend. They've got great size across the, the, you know, each really all of their lineup constructions in there. They, they really can pass the ball. It's just what you don't have is they, they run way too many gorgeous possessions where it's a great set Everything runs, and then they clank a jump shot because they just don't have the shooters. They make some more shots. They're going to be a tough out this year. Orlando is a fun and young, promising team that, that you mentioned about. They did get off that rough start. Then there was another stretch where I remember you know, they beat Boston. You know, yeah. At one point, they started really taking it teams. They got hot, so hot to the point where I thought they were going to you know, win too many games and all of a sudden, you know, kind of fall out of where they're picking the draft. So they're, they're a team that, you know, you talked about how the Pacers did make some moves. I felt like Orlando ran it back with its young core, saying we got to give these guys more time together. And, and I respected that because they would have been fools to try and really, you know, go all in and, and, and trade all these young players. They got to give them time. 
But what is for the Pacers right now? You, we mentioned earlier, what is their window to really, you know, make a move for a more established player? Because we are hearing guys like a Pascal Siakam or an OG Ananobi could be available. The Pacers, they do have expiring contracts, whether it's a, a Buddy Heald or a Daniel Tice or the draft picks or some younger players. Do you think the Pacers could be perhaps buyers maybe at this deadline or should they just you know still just ride it out yeah i think if you're the pacers if you get to the trade deadline and you're flirting with being a top six team um or you're you're really confident like we're we might be in the play-in but we feel like we can get through it i think you go and make make a move you don't have to get stupid about it right you you don't need to you know all right we're gonna go get pascal siakam and here's you know four draft picks that's my and fear swaps and, it's like ah you know, he's he's entering free agency no matter what don't yeah don't, don't get too risky here exactly don't get dumb with a move but let's say you know i don't know let's say there's a world where siakam's like you know what i kind of like it there and you know may- maybe obi Toppin isn't everything i dream that he will be and it's like yeah he's a good backup player but we need a starting four and siakam's like you know what i can be that dude with this team to help lift them maybe you do you know pull off a move like that maybe it's a you know maybe it's something a little lesser like uh you know, old friend Boyan Bogdanovich is like hey. available because Detroit falls out and you jump in on a guy like him. You know, you, you, you could go, you know, those routes and that's not, you know, that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to get done. So if you're the Pacers, you're really kind of looking at it and saying it, a lot of it is situational, right? It's if, if, if we're, you know, on, on the verge of being a real playoff team and we can get a guy who can not only keep us that, but he's somebody who can help us for the next two, three years. Great. Let's go. Let's let's do it. But it's I, you got to be really careful because nothing short circuits a good young team that's building up easier than making the wrong big trade where it's we went all in and it was too early. We traded draft picks and then somebody got discouraged because it didn't go the way we wanted. They left town and now we're out the player and we're out the draft picks. That's where you got to be really careful. Now, I trust I don't Kevin Pritchard doesn't do those kind of things generally he's not somebody who's going to rush into you know we, we do this so I, I i feel like they're in pretty good hands there but yeah i mean the potential is there if they're they're playing the way you know they could on their high end then i think you know yeah you could see a uh expiring contract swap a even a you know somewhat of a consolidation trade a little bit where it's maybe all right maybe we put together a couple of these younger guys and you know plus up a package to go get a better player that scenario exists as well because they've got a lot of options they can play with no, they really do. And some people forget that Bruce Brown contract he talked about earlier. It's at most a two-year deal, but yeah. there's, an, there's an option after one year. That's a team yep. option. So that is that wiggle room that the Pacers have so many different, you know, options and flexibility to, to go out and make a big splash if they feel the team is ready. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton's contract extension that Max does not kick in until next season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they do still have some wiggle room this year, but uh, you know, we'll see. But we talked about maybe some of the teams that could squeeze in there. Is there a team that you feel could be perhaps a major disappointment this year that might have expectations going into this season? In the East, I, I'm going to give you two in the East: Chicago and Toronto. I think um, so. Chicago, I think everybody's 
that they, what a hot take, right? No, no, I think everybody's kind of on that one. Um, and I think there's also a world where Chicago is just 41 and 41 and in the playing tournament, and it is what it is again. I, I just, you know, this could maybe be the year where maybe De- DeMar DeRozan finally is old, right? And it just doesn't work and somebody else gets hurt. And then, you know, that collection of guards doesn't play out the way they want. And now all of a sudden it's tough. With Toronto, I'll be honest, I just don't see it. Like, I, I am. They confuse me more than any team in the league. You know what I do is a lot on projecting rosters and cap space and where teams are going to go. I don't I, I don't understand any of what the plan is in Toronto because you've let talent go out the door a couple years in a row uh, with no plan when you could have traded them for something Definitely. ahead of time. Then now you're positioned where Siakam's a free agent. So – it effectively so is OG Ananobi. He has a player option for next year, but he's very likely to decline it. So is Gary Trent. Um, there's a couple other guys that are free agents, but they're you know much further down in the pecking order. So you're in a spot where kind of your only two long-term guys on this roster, I, I guess three, are Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertle, and then Grady Dick. And we don't even know what he'll be because mm-hmm. he's a rookie. So we're you know, hopeful he'll be good, but we don't know. But beyond that, I mean, they could turn this whole thing over in a year or they could just re-sign everybody and just kind of keep running it back. I, I think it's lined up for some potentially uh, guys who are, if things aren't going well, are like, I'm going to get mine here because I get to put up some numbers. I get to get that next contract. And that's where, you know, this whole thing could completely fall apart on them. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, this team is, you know, we hit the trade deadline and they're 10 games under 500 and sitting in 12th place. And, you know, this is a mess. You know, let's let's go. But I just I just don't know what they're doing. And that's that's why, you know, anytime I'm there, I'm going to lean towards I don't feel real good about it. You know, I'm fine with Washington. They're going to be bad, but I get it, right? I I get what their direction is now. Um, with Toronto, I just I am just you know left kind of baffled by what the plan is here. I feel like the Toronto front office. I mean, they're at the poker table, just continuing to bluff. I, I really don't think that they feel great about maybe re-signing both players, and even if they do, you're running back the same team, but yet they're asking for so much in Pascal Siakam and OG from, from what we're hearing, you know, around the front office that it, it just feels that, Hey, they're not going to settle for, for just, Oh, these guys are going to walk. Let's trade them for a first round pick and a promising player. So it just feels like there's this drop of sweat coming down there that they're denying. And we'll see <laughs> yep. what happens as it gets closer, because I think we see Toronto as a very, to say middle of the pack is, I don't know if that's being a, a little bit kind. We see them as a play-in team and, and not a top six. And I would say they're probably more in that eight to 10 range right now. And obviously crazier things could happen, but I just feel like at the deadline, they're going to be one of the bigger sellers. And then you look at Chicago that you mentioned. They signed Vucevic. They brought him back. Obviously, Lonzo Ball is not playing this year. Zach Levine, you hear rumblings that he might want out or could be traded all the time. DeMar DeRozan isn't getting any younger. And I just feel like that's another team that needs to pick a direction. And right now I feel like what they have is not enough. So I think that those are two teams that will be sellers, which really opens up a lot for some of those younger teams in the East 
that we mentioned earlier that, yeah, maybe they might not be ready to make a big splash, but they are ready to take a step forward as teams like Chicago and Toronto are ready to take a step back. But Keith, as we start yeah, to let, let me say one more thing on Toronto, if I can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, their fit is also super weird. Um, their three best guys are Siakam, Ananobi, and, and Barnes, and they can't really play together because they're all pretty much play the same position. So that's a problem. Uh, you can't really play them with Pirtle because Pirtle has no shooting range. Yep. So that leaves you, and you got to start a, a ball handler, presumably. It's going to be Dennis Schroeder. So you have no shooting in that opening group. The fit is weird, and that's just odd. And last thing I'll just throw out there, just because they, they, their pick that they owe to San Antonio next year is top six protected. That's right. And I think if the Raptors find themselves at the trade deadline, like we're a lot closer to 13 and 14 in the conference, you might see them make a move where it is. Let's try to keep that pick. It's not supposed to be an amazing draft right now, but that I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And then by the time we get to Christmas, it's like, of course, actually this draft's pretty good. Yo, it's it's got some players in it. So so we're gonna see you know where that goes. But yeah, I mean there's there's a lot of variability at play with Toronto this year for sure. And I just think people say, uh, they're you know, play playing team at worst, you know, maybe top six. And I, I just disagree on them, probably more than I disagree on any other team in the league. No, it, it's I'm right there with you, just because I just feel like they've been been doing this for too long. Of like ever since you know Kawhi left, I feel like it's been kind of you know, trying to slap a Band-Aid on it and, and get them back out there. And, and I just yep. think for the team, it has not worked. And I think that they probably thought they were going to be able to re-sign Fred Van Vliet. It didn't work out that way. And that was a major loss where they tried to quickly pivot towards Dennis Schroeder. And I just feel like he ain't going to pack the same punch. So, um, and at the same point, if they did give Van Vliet that max contract, I don't know how much better they would have been. Uh, because I think moving forward, yeah, that's I'm a, with you. a lot of money. And then if you do yep. pay... Siakam and or OG. I mean, now you are all in with the same roster. So it, it, yep. it gets a little bit scary. But Keith, as we wrap up, I want the way too early uh, prediction on the NBA finals and who's going to win it from you. So so my, my uh, uh, on our show, NBA front office show, my co-host there really drives the show runs it runs it uh trevor lane is a big lakers guy i'm a big celtics obviously of course so every year we kind of go in hoping celtics lakers break the tie who gets to 18 yep. first right um i i'm gonna deviate slightly i think it's gonna be celtics and i think the nuggets are gonna get back i just wow. I, okay. I just don't see it beating denver if they're you know if they're whole by the time they get to the to the playoffs they're just so good. And, and I mean, they really, it's funny. I keep hearing people really talking themselves into, you know, Minnesota played them kind of tough in the first round and the Lakers played them kind of tough. And it's like, they'll steamrolled through, you know, they still won the games. And, and I think Denver is one of those teams where a lot of it's because Jokic is their guy, right. And they're their leader. But I think a lot of it with Denver becomes like, why do we need to beat a team by 50? Like we just yeah, need to exactly. win. Like, it doesn't matter. And that starting five is just so loaded with talent. As long as they get, you know, a few of their young guys to come through as bench contributors, I think Denver is going to be right there. And I, and I just, I believe 
what Boston has put together is really, really good. And I think the Celtics are, you know, I, I think it's finally time uh, for them to break through and, and get it done. I just think, you know, the Drew Holiday addition to me just really puts them over the top. Yeah, no, the Celtics, Milwaukee, I think those are two very, very scary teams. And I think that the Celtics already, you know, had a good team to begin with. But I, I think that that Drew Holiday move really did make them whole. With Phoenix, are you just saying, I, I got to see them first? I got to see how they play together before I can really crown them? I want to see if they can defend enough to win in the playoffs. I I just, I don't think they have any answer for Jokic. Oh, and, no, and that, they don't. You know, if they run into Denver, which I think at some point they probably will, whether it's in, you know, the, the second round or the West finals. Um, I, I don't know what they do with him. And I think Denver on the flip side is built to defend Phoenix better than most teams. Because I think um, at this point in his career, I think uh, Bradley Beal is not that Bradley Beal is not still a good player, but you, you're you going to make him the third guy. You're going to put Aaron Gordon on Kevin Durant. He's historically done as good a job as anybody does on KD. I mean, nobody shuts him down, but he hangs in there. And then you're going to put uh, uh, Contavious Caldwell on Devin Booker, and that's going to make it tough on Phoenix. And and I just don't know that they have enough uh, on the other end defensively told. I also don't know, you know, let me see Phoenix get there first, healthy. Of because, you know, that's that's my single biggest worry with that team. I mean, their top three of Durant, Booker, and Beal is as good as anybody's. But if you gave me the over-under and games played together is 50, I, I'm probably going to lean maybe towards the under just because I, I just – I have no faith that those three guys are going to stay on the floor for, you know, the six-month regular season, never mind, you know, the additional two months of playoffs. Yeah, I mean, last year when Phoenix got Kevin Durant, everybody thought, "Oh, Phoenix is gonna—they're gonna win it all." And yep. they, they, uh, they were a little bit disappointing in the playoffs. So anything yeah. could happen. I do think now that they moved DeAndre Aiden, I think you know by getting you know Nurkic in there and, and a few other pieces, I think they'll they'll be able to make some trades. It'll be easier to move some contracts. So I don't think that we've seen Phoenix make their their last move, as we know they are all in Agreed. for a championship. So we'll see what happens, but. Keith, as we wrap up, please tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content that you mentioned before. Tell them again. Yeah, you can find me um, over on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it these days, uh, at Keith Smith NBA. I've, I've got the other one set up, but I don't really use them yet. I'm waiting to see if, if if I wake up some morning and all of NBA Twitter is gone, uh, then then I'll move as well. Um, but until then, I'm, I'm going to keep hanging out you know, in the place I know I'm a, I am a creature of habit and resistant to change as much as possible. Uh, but you can find all my written work over at spottrack.com. I just finished. I went through um, all six divisions, all 30 teams and asked two major rotation and roster questions. Uh, going into this year and it's things like you know who is the backup point guard going to be who's the fifth starter going to be uh the Pacers one posted last week and it's out there as part of the central division if folks want to go check that out I actually had some Pacers fans reach out and you know very kind words and we're like yeah that's the same things I'm kind of thinking with the team so, so that always makes me feel good it makes me feel like at least I have somewhat of a uh, reality touch on what's going on and then if you're interested in a podcast or YouTube show as I mentioned Trevor Lane and I we do NBA front office show it's, you know, four or five days a week kind of depends on, you know, what's out there newsworthy or not. We we don't do hot takes. So we don't go out there and make up news. We kind of cover what's what's happening. But Monday through Friday, we're generally there, especially once the season gets in full swing, which it is now. And we're there, you know, on YouTube, uh, if you, you know, prefer to watch or consume that way or anywhere you listen to podcasts, NBA front office show. 
Keith, as always, we appreciate you. Always a blast having you back on Reconnecting. And I know we're going to have to do it at least one more time throughout <laughs> this regular season just to check back in, see where the Pacers are at, see where Boston's at. Hey, I wish you luck this season. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Talk soon, Keith. See ya. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We're going to need a mop. Smooth. Mm-hmm.